phases. Uh, Moses' life kind of starts out kind of rocky. Uh, he starts out in the palace. Things are going well. Uh, stuff's going good. You know, he, he, he starts out as a, as a Hebrew boy that's been adopted by an Egyptian woman, the Egyptian princess. Uh, and the Egyptian princess takes Moses in as her own. I want to read you something in Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, let's see here. In Hebrews chapter 11, it says this. Let me see if I can pull it up. Oh, let's see here. Hold on. Missed a couple spots. Whoops. Oh, Hebrews chapter 11. It says this. By faith is 11, 24 through 26. It says, By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than treasure, the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. What this basically is, is this is Hebrews chapter 11. Now, Hebrews chapter 11 is, is called the Hall of Faith. Um, it's like Canton, Ohio for Christians. <laughs> it's like a big deal. This is the Hall of Fame for Christians, if you will. And basically what's happening in Hebrews chapter 11 is they're listing off all these incredible people in Scripture. And this is the excerpt uh, about Moses. This is kind of what is in Hebrews chapter 11 about Moses' life. Um, kind of his Hall of Fame plaque, if you will, is this right here. And a lot of times we can look at this and you go, wow, what an amazing life. Uh, Moses is one of the most iconic men in all of scripture. I mean, outside of Jesus himself, Moses has more books and more writing about him than anybody except for Jesus. Uh, Moses has, is, is, writes the first five books of the Bible. He writes all five of them, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Moses writes all five of them. He leads the people of Israel out of Egypt, out of captivity, which they had been there for 700 years, and he leads them out of that. Moses uh, brings on the 10 plagues to Egypt, so he turns the Nile River to blood. Uh, in fact, Moses gets to see God's backside. Uh, the only reason that God wouldn't show him his front side is because God said it would kill him if he showed him his front side. So he got to see God from the back, which no one had gotten to do who was alive. And, and we still don't have any record of anybody else getting to do it except for Moses. Um, and then God says something peculiar about Moses. In Scripture, God says, I speak to others in diverse manners and diverse ways, but I speak to my servant Moses face to face, which is like a crazy thing for God to say about you. And that's what God says about Moses. He's this iconic character. And sometimes I think if we look at it from that perspective, that Moses is just this unbelievably cool guy, we can forget that every incredible adventure in your life, every incredible thing, every amazing achievement, whatever, starts with one simple decision. And that is the decision to start. This is where Moses' story ends. This is the, the end of the story, if you will. This is someone telling you the tale of Moses. But this is not where it started. This is not where Moses began. I want to take you to where he began because what happens is, is that Moses, like I say, born a Hebrew boy, but the Hebrews were in slavery in Egypt. They were enslaved to the Egyptians. What ends up happening is that the Pharaoh over the Egyptians becomes afraid of the Israelites. They're, they're growing too vast in number. So he starts to kill off the Hebrew boys um, because he's like, well, if we kill the boys, then we won't have to worry about them growing up into men and eventually taking us over. So let's go ahead and start whacking them. And so that's what they did. They start killing Hebrew baby boys. Well, Moses' mom 
in a desperation attempt, takes him down to the river where I'm sure she had seen the princess of Egypt bathing before. Um, and she puts Moses in a basket and she sends Moses down the river towards the, this Egyptian princess. And sure enough, this Egyptian princess opens the basket, sees this little baby boy kicking and screaming inside and takes that baby boy as her own. And that is Moses. He grows up in the palace, becomes a, a, a young man. He grows up into a young adult. And even in a young adult, even as a young adult, at a young age, Moses begins to realize that God has put a calling on his life that he's not just here to be an Egyptian, that he's, that he's a Hebrew. That's who he is. That's, that's his lineage. That's what God has chosen him for. And he has a responsibility to take care of the Hebrew people. So Moses goes down to the Hebrew people one day where they lived in this place called Goshen. He goes down to Goshen. Well, the Hebrew people are enslaved and they're working for the Egyptians. And as they are, an Egyptian slave driver begins to beat one of the, one of the Hebrew people just to get them you know, going again. That's what a slave driver does. And so slave driver is driving the Hebrew people. And Joseph, or sorry, Moses believes that he's being too harsh. He's like, hey, he's being too harsh. Hey, you're being too harsh. And sure enough, Scripture says that things escalate and Moses kills the Egyptian. For fear for his life, Moses runs from Egypt. He's, he's on the run. And while he's on the run, he bumps into a guy named Jethro. And Jethro hires Moses on as a, a shepherd. And so that's what Moses does. He's, he's a shepherd for 40 years. For 40 years, he's in the, in the wilderness with Jethro being a shepherd. But one day, Moses stumbles across this burning bush. And this bush is on fire, but it's not consumed. It's not consumed by the fire. It's just burning but it's not like the leaves aren't wilting and the the stems aren't falling off it, it it's perfectly intact but it's ablaze and so Moses goes up to check it out he's like what the heck is going on like it's weird like why is it not burning up like what's what's the deal and so Moses walks up to the bush and as he does God speaks to Moses from the bush and I believe it is this encounter that starts Moses incredible journey on this mission to deliver Israel out of Egypt and ultimately to move them towards the promised land and eventually lead them to the promised land. Moses doesn't get to enter the promised land, which we'll talk about more in week three, but he does lead the people to the promised land. So there's three things from this conversation with God at the burning bush that I think we as men can glean. Number one is start where you are. Start where you are. Look at this verse. This is Exodus chapter three, verses 11 uh, and 12. And it's only, the, it's only the first half of 12. So if you ever see a Bible verse and they put that little A or they put a B beside it on the back half of the Bible verse, so that, where that 12 is, it's got a little A. That A means the first half of the verse. They'll put a B there if they want the second half of the verse. I don't think it ever goes to C. They just do A or B. But anyway, um, it's like it's just A or B. That's the first or last half. I don't know why it's that way, but that is the way people do it. Um, so it says this, but Moses said to God, so this is him speaking to the burning bush. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. So Moses goes to this burning bush. This burning bush speaks to Moses. Holy cow, what the heck is happening? Speaks to Moses and says, hey, Moses, I want you to go to Israel and I want you to free the people of Israel from my people from oppression. And Moses gives this response, which I think is logical. I mean, it's a logical response. He's like, hey, wait a second. Remember, Moses is on the run for murder. He murdered a man in cold blood, murdered him, and he's on the run from the very people that God is trying to send him back to. So anyway, it says, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, 
I will be with you. I love this. I love this so much because instead of God saying, hey, Moses, I've already softened Pharaoh's heart. This is going to be an easy journey. You're going to go up there and you're going to say, hey, I'm Moses. Let the people go. And the Pharaoh is just going to melt like Swiss cheese into the floor and he's not going to be able to even stand against you. That's not what God says. What's he say? He says, I'll be with you. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. <laughs> that means I'll be with you. That means that no matter how hard it is, I'm going to be with you through it. That doesn't mean, hey, it's going to be easy and you don't have to worry about it. It's no big deal. That means, hey, this is going to be really difficult at times. You're going to want to quit at times, but I'm going to be with you through it. And if there's one thing that I think that we as men need to understand, need to glean is that when you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, He's with you. There's things in your life though that are going to be extremely difficult. Becoming an honest man, becoming a strong man, becoming a spiritual leader, these are not easy things. And any of us that have set out to do them, it's difficult. It's hard. It's hard to maintain your integrity, especially in a society that is so happy to just throw integrity out the window and, and honestly applauds it when it happens. We throw integrity out and our society's like, do great job. You don't need that. And then you look at God's word and you're like, wait a second. That's not what God's word says. God's word says to live this way. And, and our society's saying something completely different. And ultimately it's hard to do. That's a hard thing. It's hard to be a man and a, be a, a, a real man, a man of God, a man of integrity in the society that we live in. And God doesn't say, hey man, those things will be easy. God says, I'll be with you which means even when it's hard, God will never leave you. See, this journey that Moses is going to go on, what he doesn't know is that he spent 40 years in the wilderness with Jethro, raising some, some stuff, raising some little uh, sheep. And he married two of Jethro's, or married one of Jethro's daughters and some other stuff like that. But, but he spent 40 years there. What Moses doesn't understand is God's about to send Moses on another 80-year journey. So he's already spent 40. God's going to send him on another 80-year journey. That's what it's going to take for Moses to go to Egypt, free the Israelites, and get them to the promised land. It's 80 years. He'll ultimately die um, before the journey is even completely completed. Uh, that's, what, that's what this journey is going to be for Moses. But instead of God telling Moses it's going to be easy, he tells Moses he's going to be with him. No matter what, that God is going to be with Moses. So, Start where you are. I think the question that I think we need to ask ourselves as men is, what do you need to start? What do you need to start? Maybe you're sitting here going, man, I'd, I'd really like to, as I was listening to people say they really like working out, I'm like, God, I need to start working out. I'm like, I need to do something. And, and I'm sitting there going, but where do you start when it comes to working out? Where do you start? Well, it could be just getting a gym membership. That, that's a starter point, you know? Uh, or, or let's say you want to get a different job. Well, you may have to apply for another job. That's, that's a starting point, though, is to apply. Um, maybe for you, it's I want to, you know, become more versed in the Bible. Well, it's reading your Bible every day, just, just a verse even. It, that's a starter point. But again, I think sometimes we overcomplicate the ending and we never take that first step. Just that one we look at Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith. Moses is, is in Canton. He's got the bust and... It's all, but you don't realize this is where it started, was one conversation with God, this burning bush that wasn't consumed, 
one conversation. This is where it began for Moses. And remember, where is Moses at? He's in the wilderness because he's on the run from the Egyptians because he murdered one of them. And yet God comes to Moses and he doesn't say, hey, Moses, we're going to have to deal with this, this murder thing really quick. We're going to have to talk this out. Instead, you know what God does? God immediately comes to Moses and tells Moses where he needs to be. He says, hey, listen, it doesn't matter where you are right now. I'm going to be with you through all of this. And this is where we're going. And I'm going to walk with you through every bit of it. God doesn't say, I'm sending you there and I'll, I'll meet you there when you get there. God says, I'll be with you every step of the way. But a lot of times we allow where we are right now to stop us from going to where God really desires for us to be. We go, man, well, I haven't, I haven't lived for God you know, my whole life. I'm, I'm whatever age and I haven't lived for God yet. So therefore, God can't really use me, man. The best I can hope for is that I just get to be a part of the church because God can't use me. I've, I haven't lived for him yet. But see, that's allowing your current circumstance to define what God can do in your life. That's what Moses tries to do. Moses goes, hey, I'm a murderer. Who am I? He's not saying, who am I? Like, oh, I'm not popular. He's saying, who am I? A murderer to go to Pharaoh and demand something. If I go before Pharaoh, God, I'm going to have to be begging for his forgiveness that he doesn't kill me for what I've done already. That's what I'm going to have to do. That's what Moses is bringing up to God. But instead of God even interacting any of that, he just says, hey, hey Moses, I'm going to be with you through every bit of it. That doesn't mean it'll be easy. In fact, that probably means it's going to be really hard. But I'm going to be with you through it, no matter where that may be. Second thing is this. Second thing out of this conversation is use what you have. Use what you have. Um, this is Exodus chapter 4, verses 1 through 2, the rest of the conversation. So God and Moses are basically going back and forth. God says, Moses, I want you to go and I want you to... Free the people of Israel from their oppressors. I want you to do this stuff. But then Moses argues. He's like, ah, God, <laughs> listen, I'm not popular in Egypt. Okay. I've got, there's, there's most wanted posters and I'm on them in Egypt. Um, they want me for murder. Um, and so they're going back and forth. And this is Moses responding or answering to God again. He says, what if they do not believe me or they don't listen to me? And they say, the Lord did not appear to you. Then the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? A staff, he replied. This, this is cool because all of a sudden Moses has shifted. So at first, he says, who am I? The concern there is the Egyptians. So he says, hey, who am I? I'm a murderer. The Egyptians are going to hate me. Pharaoh is not going to like me. I'm not, I'm, they're not a fan of, of Moses right now. But listen to the shift. So now God answers that one. Hey, Moses, I'm going to be with you, Okay. I'm going to work with, I will, I will walk you through it. But listen to the shift now. Moses is back again with a different excuse. Listen, he says, what if they do not believe me or listen to me? Now, wait a minute. Who doesn't believe you? Who doesn't believe you? Because Pharaoh and them, they don't believe in God. So this next part, he says, what if they don't believe? And they say, the Lord did not appear to you. Pharaoh wouldn't say that. He doesn't believe in God at all. Well, of course he's going to say the Lord didn't appear to you. Who's Moses concerned about now? He's concerned about the Israelites. He's saying, hey, wait a second. What if I go to the Israelites and they don't believe me either? So not only are the Egyptians going to kill me on site or they're going to put me on trial on site. On top of that, your people that you're sending me to save, they don't like me either. Um, and they're not going to listen to me. They're not going to believe me. Um, I killed an Egyptian and then ran off. They're not going to believe what I have to say. 
He says, what if they say the Lord does not, uh, or did not appear to me? Now listen to this last part. It says, then the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? A staff, he replied. See, God wasn't asking Moses to manufacture miracles. God was simply asking Moses to surrender what he already had in his hand. There's a lot of times when it comes to serving God that we sit there and we go, well, I can't serve God because I can't do ABC. The truth is this, is that God is only asking for you to surrender what you already have in your hand. You may be surprised just how much God can use whatever you already have. See, in Moses' hand, this was just a staff. It's just a stick. And now it's a shepherd's staff. You know, it's a cool stick, but I mean, it's a stick nonetheless. That's all it is. But when Moses turns that stick over to God, all of a sudden this stick becomes the instrument that God would use to free the people of Israel. This very stick, Moses throws it on the ground before Pharaoh and it turns into a snake, a serpent, big old serpent. And all of the magicians and all the stuff that Egypt had, they tried to replicate it and they kind of did, but it wasn't the same thing. They tried to replicate this thing, trying to turn a stick into a snake. And they do it eventually with trickery. That's how they're able to, to make it happen is with, with sleight of hand. But then Moses goes out to the Nile River, which was the largest river in the area. It's, it's, it, was, it was more water than anybody knew what to do with. And Moses takes that same stick and he touches the water with it. And the moment that that stick touches the water, the entire Nile turns to blood, the whole thing. From, from end to end, it says there was no water anywhere. In fact, even water that the Egyptians had dipped out of the Nile before he had touched it, it was in cisterns in their house, that water turned to blood too. Now you're like, now that's not no normal stick. It is just a normal stick though. That what was the difference? Because Moses had used this stick for 40 years while herding sheep and never accidentally turned one of the ponds into blood. It never happened. Yet, the moment he surrenders that staff to God, God does more with that staff than Moses ever thought possible. That staff, now this gets Moses in trouble, but in the wilderness later on, years later, Moses and the people of Israel are wandering in the wilderness and there's no water. And God tells Moses to speak to a rock. Now Moses turns around with that same staff and he, stri he strikes a rock, which ultimately gets him in trouble, but water does shoot out. So God was still like, okay, I'll let you have it. Um, now he got in trouble later and we'll talk about that a little bit more in week, I think it's week three. Um, but anyway, but Moses struck a rock and water came forth. The Red Sea where, where or sorry, the, um, yeah, the Red Sea where they parted the Red Sea. The parting of the Red Sea was with Moses' staff. Moses had to hold up his staff and the Red Sea parted. One of the largest seas in the area parted in half when Moses held up his staff. This staff is just a stick. It's not a special staff. But that little stick surrendered to God could do, God could do more with it than Moses could ever ask or imagine. You have gifts and talents. You have things that you're good at. You have things God has gifted you with. He's equipped you for. Those gifts and talents to you may seem minor because you deal with them every day. You're like, well, I, I have some woodworking stuff and well, I'm good with this or I'm good with that or I'm handy with this or, or uh, whatever it may be. But those gifts and talents, when they're surrendered to God, could change the world. I mean, they're simple as they may be. It changes everything whenever you realize that all God's asking you to do is surrender what you already have. He's not asking you to manufacture a miracle. He's simply asking you to surrender what you already have, what you already have possession of. Surrender it to him and he will do incredible things with it. Okay, here we go. Final thing, number three, do what you can. Do 
what you can. Look at this. This is the, the last half. This is a lot in this particular piece. But anyway, it says this. Moses said to the Lord. Now, so, okay. He protested that Pharaoh was going to kill him and the Egyptians wouldn't like him. Then it was the Hebrews. Now, the Hebrews aren't going to believe me. Now, here's Moses again. And he's even asking God to pardon him because he knows Moses has reached into his 50-gallon drum of excuses and he's back to doing excuses again. He says this, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. So what's happened? First, it was the Egyptians. The Egyptians, gonna, the Egyptians don't like me. Then it was the Hebrews. The Hebrews aren't going to believe me. Now, Moses is doubting himself. He's like, I, I don't think I can do it. I'm not eloquent of speech. I can't, I can't speak good. Uh, for whatever reason, I can't, I can't speak good. Um, which we don't know exactly what he meant by that. Some people believe he had a speech impediment. Other people believe that he had trouble just with words in general. He just wasn't a very eloquent speaker. Um, all those types of things, but we don't really know why. But whatever it is, Moses offers up an excuse and God actually acknowledges it. He says, hey, okay, but who made your mouth though? And Moses is like, oh, well, I mean, you did. And God's like, okay, I think I can figure it out then. I think you'll be all right. But ultimately, Moses actually protests enough about this that God's like, okay, where's your brother Aaron at? Because Aaron can talk. We'll let Aaron talk and you just go. How about that? And finally they get to go. But, but I think the important part is this, is, is, is do what you can. Do what you can. There's a lot of times where I believe that when it comes to um, serving God and when it comes to being men of God and different things like that, we make it so complex that we can't ever even get started. It's so, it becomes so complicated that you're like, I, I don't even know where to begin with serving God. And so we usually don't begin. We just, we just keep living our lives the way we have. And we're like, you're like, well, do you want to serve God? And you're like, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what, what, what's, that, what's that look like? And everybody's like, oh, I don't know. I mean, like, but do you want to? And you're like, well, yeah, just whenever that, whenever that train comes, I'll get on, you know, but I mean, I don't know what that looks like. But for Moses, God gives him three distinguishable answers. Number one is, is start where you are. Don't, don't act like, hey, man, well, I've got to wait until I'm at a certain level of Christianity. I've got to wait until I get my, you know, my utility belt of Christianity. Once I get that, then I can start serving God. God doesn't say that. Start where you are. Second one's use what you have. It, God's not asking you to manufacture a miracle. He's not saying, hey, well, you can't serve God until you have this much money in the bank, or you can't serve God until you have these types of skills or whatever. God says, use what you've already, what you already have. He didn't ask Moses. He didn't say, hey, Moses, I need you to go find me three golden earrings. He says, hey, Moses, what's in your hand? I was like, oh, well, a stick. God's like, okay, I'll use that. Give me the stick. And sure enough, God uses it to do all these incredible things that we talked about. But that was what was already in Moses' hand. He didn't ask him to go find something else. He said, just, just use what you have. And sure enough, God can use it. And the final thing is, is, is do what you can. Do what you can. Take the steps and go, hey, man, there's going to be sometimes you're not going to be able to do everything. You're not going to be able to. Um, but you got to do what you can do. Mother Teresa said it this way. She said, you may not be able to feed a hundred people. But if you can feed one person, just feed one. Just feed one. The same thing's true with, with, with foster care. You know, you may not be able to foster every kid, but, but if you, can you foster one? Can, can you just foster one? That, that, that may change things, man. To change things for these little kids, I mean, that's a big deal. 
You may not be able to serve at every single event because you know, you're gonna have scheduling stuff and whatever, but can you serve at this event? Or can you do this at this? Or can you, can you serve at one service? Can you do those things? How, how can you get involved? And again, tonight, what I really wanna like hammer home is everybody needs to take their next step. And nobody's next step may look the same or, or they might look similar, but, but people's next steps may look different. For you, your next step may be, you know, uh, getting saved, which we'll talk about in a minute. Your next step may be getting baptized. Your next step may be uh, stepping into serving in some way. Your next step may be stepping into tithing. I'm like, man, I want to be a more generous person. Dude, there's no better way to become more generous than to tithe. Um, or it's like, man, you know, I want to become this or that or the other. Listen, what's your step though? What's that first step? What gets you closer to that thing? And then why haven't you taken that step? And that's not to like judge or be like, oh, you haven't taken that step because you know, you're a loser. No, it's like, hey, dude, listen, all of us have intrepidation. All of us have something that holds us back. And my question to you, and, and, and I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand or say it out loud, but what holds you back from making the decision? And you know, maybe it's the right decision. You know, it's what you need to do. You know, it's what God's calling you to do, but you haven't done it. And I wonder what that thing is. Maybe it's fear, anxiety, self-doubt. That's where Moses is at. Moses is like, dude, I don't, I don't think I can do it. You know, if you're with me or not, God, I don't think I can do it. I'm disqualified for whatever reason. Just like he did in the first, you know, in the first part. He's like, man, the Egyptians hate me. I'm a, I'm a murderer. And yet God still uses Moses in an incredible way. Gets him into the hall of faith. Even though I believe looking at scripture, I mean, I don't know how you slice that cake any other way than Moses is absolutely a murderer. Absolutely. I mean, no doubt what the Egyptians were doing, the Israelites were wrong, but two wrongs don't make a right. You can't be like, well, I'm going to kill him. It's like, no, wait a second. That's not how this works. Yet, God uses Moses in an amazing way. Even though by most standards, Moses' past would have disqualified him from being able to serve God at all. Yet God uses him. So tonight, what I'd really like is I'd like to offer an opportunity for us to pray together as a group, large group. And then what I want to do is I want to break off into smaller groups. And these smaller groups are not going to be like organized time or whatever. It's just going to be an opportunity for us to sit down and I'd like to talk through two things. Number one, what holds you back? As a man, and then when we're all dudes, what holds you back? And I want you to talk to your group about that. What holds you back? What stops you from serving God all the way? Maybe, like I say, it's fear. It's something you're holding back. It's something that you feel like you're disqualified for, whatever. What holds you back? And then from there, I want us to pray for each other for it because we need to take our next step. Each guy does. And we continue to take those steps. But we need prayer. We need encouragement. We need each other. So that's what Point Man's about. It's about banding together and saying, hey, listen. Man, you may be afraid right now, but I'm going to be with you and pray with you the whole way, the whole way through all of it. So with that said, I do want to say this. Maybe your first step tonight is coming to know Jesus. Your first step is stepping into a relationship with him. See, see 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, God's one and only son, died on a cross for you and for me. Not because we deserved it, because we didn't, but because he decided to save us. And then he offers us an opportunity for us to enter into a relationship with him. Not one that we deserve, but one that he offers freely to us. 
And so maybe for you tonight is that time to make that decision, to trust God, to enter into a relationship with Him, and then from there to, to move forward in your relationship with Christ. So if everybody with huge back has me, every head bowed and every eye closed, as we, kind of, as we finish out and, and about to go to prayer groups, maybe you're sitting here right now and you go, Kendall, I don't know Jesus. I haven't taken that step. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. You don't have to say anything out loud. This is between you and God. Just say something like this. Just say, God, I've made mistakes. God, I've messed things up. And God, I know that I need you. I believe that Jesus died on a cross for me and that three days later he rose from the dead. And tonight, I accept him as my savior, come into my life and save me. And if you prayed that prayer tonight, every head bowed and every eye closed for just a second. If you prayed that prayer tonight, you're saved 100% for sure. You've walked into a relationship with Christ. It's a beautiful thing. And in that relationship, God will be with you no matter what. It does not mean it will be easy, but it does mean God will walk with you through it. I'm gonna pray for us and then we're gonna do some prayer groups. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much for tonight. God, thank you for loving us the way that you do. I thank you for giving us an opportunity for us to enter into a relationship with you um, where you love us, God. Not because we're good, um, but, 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 but simply because you choose to love us. God, we are grateful for you. We love you. And it's in your name I pray. Amen.